Hi, New Majority Investor Circle. We are in the final month of 2023, and I cannot believe how time has flown. As a quick note before we jump into this episode's conversation with Tiffany Dufu, founder and CEO of The Crew and champion of women doing amazing things, we record this episode back on April 14th, 2023, when their equity crowdfunding campaign on Republic was in its last week. They successfully closed that campaign, raising over $100,000 from 322 investors, many of which were members of The Crew. And then hold on to your hats, because just five months later, The Crew announced they were joining the Luminary family. This is the new majority's first portfolio company acquisition. So let's just take a moment to celebrate that one. Luminary is a global professional education and networking platform founded by Kate Luzio. So very complimentary. By joining forces with Luminary, members of both organizations have access to Luminary's offerings of physical space in New York City, plus 20 other partner spaces worldwide, skills-based programming, corporate roundtables, and of course, the crew's goal tracking, peer coaching, and insights reporting. This is Luminary's second strategic acquisition and just shows the growth of the organization. So with this incredible update of two amazing women founders joining together to better support women in the professional workforce, let's jump into our conversation with Tiffany from the crew, now empowered by Luminary. Today's guest and featured founder is Tiffany, founder and CEO of The Crew, a peer coaching service for women looking to accelerate their professional and personal growth. Prior to launching The Crew in 2019, Tiffany was chief leadership officer at Levo, a social good startup focused on elevating young women in the workforce. Prior to that, she helped launch the Lean In Circles following Sheryl Sandberg's book, And prior to that, spent seven years building the White House project that pulled women into leadership roles within business and politics. So I think the theme across your career is very clear. So thank you for your work. And I'm really excited to be sharing this space with you, Tiffany, and with the rest of the new majority investor circle. And we were also very excited to highlight you and the crew as one of our top 10 featured founders and startups for Q1 of 23. So I know while I spent kind of the most part of that intro essentially pitching you um, and the amazing work you've been doing, I'd love to hear the 30, 45 second elevator pitch of the crew. Oh, of course. I have to do this all the time. <laughs> um, if any of you out there have ever had a goal that you wanted to achieve, that you fully intended on achieving, but it didn't quite happen, you should know that you are in about the 80, 80th percentile of people. Um, the reason why you didn't meet your goal is not because you're lazy. It's not because you're a procrastinator. It's not because the goal was not important to you or that you're not high achieving enough. It's because there's this thing called life that gets in the way. And that is especially the case for women who are mid-career and who are managing a ton of responsibilities. They're taking care of their bosses, their teams, their pet goldfish or dog, their kids, their parents, their churches, their synagogues. Everything's the gamut. The crew is really a space to allow these women to focus on their intentions. We match women in accountability circles to help them meet their life goals and 
And it's not rocket science. We're all 90% more likely to realize a goal when we're tracking the goal and when we are meeting on a regular basis with a group of people who are holding our feet to the fire. That's that's basically the crew in a nutshell. I love that. And I can see a lot of need for that both in my life today and probably in my life for the last 10 years when I've been in the working world. So I think, you know, a common theme that I see amongst the founders that we feature in the new majority investors circle is that many of our founders are their customers, right? So they they really resonate with what the problem is. They're really oftentimes building to solve that problem for themselves. So Typically, I like to ask kind of, you know, what's your personal connection or your professional experience? But I think it's very clear from from our introduction, kind of what makes you uniquely qualified to start and build the company. So maybe a slightly different question for you is, given all of the amazing experiences and impactful organizations that you've worked for that have aligned with that mission around helping women, you know, thrive professionally and personally, why did you decide to start the crew you know, rather than continuing to build those organizations? Well, I was called to do it. Uh, My life's work is advancing women and girls. That's pretty much why I'm on the planet. And I spent my entire career, literally every job, every dollar I've donated, every board I've sat on, every social media post, every book I've written or contributed to, every article has been focused on how do we harness women's talent and ingenuity for the benefit of all of us. And part of the reason why I've been able to do what I do is because I've been buoyed by a crew, by a dedicated group of women who hold me accountable on a regular basis. So you're right in that I'm actually not the crew's customer, but I'm obsessed with our customer and with helping her to create a life that she's passionate about. And I spent many years meeting with women If you're someone like me, you're just obsessed and women reach out to you that you don't know and you say yes to them. That's how I ended up on this podcast right now. We can't help ourselves. I used to meet six or seven women a week. I would meet them every Tuesday and Thursday at 9, 10, and 11. I did this from 2011 until really the end of last year. And I made an observation over the years after speaking to hundreds of women, which is that even though we often have a lot of people around us, our family, our friends, our coworkers, we largely perceive our personal and professional journeys as if they're solo endeavors. At least psychologically, when we have a problem, the first question we ask ourselves is, how am I going to solve this problem? When I think the more important question for all of us is, who's going to solve this problem with us? Who's going to help us? So I was compelled, particularly after being on the ground floor of Lean In and all of the work that I had done, I realized that there was white space because everything that I had been a part of launching or growing or leading required a woman to know who her crew was already, to have already curated a crew. And I realized that for the very busy woman in the middle, that's actually the biggest amount of friction. She doesn't have time to go to cocktail parties and events and conferences and have coffees and teas with people and find this amazing group of women that really the opportunity was to find the crew for her. I knew that I wanted to do it at scale. uh, And I'm not a technologist. In fact, I have two English degrees and can't write one line of code. 
But my parents taught me that if you want something that you've never had before, you have to do something you've never done before in order to get it. And so of all of the solutions that I had curated for women, I felt like for this one, it was a tech company. I love that. And I'm going to now jump around on kind of where I wanted to go, but do you want to shout out who your crew was, the the crew that kind of surrounded you and inspired you to, to start the crew? Oh my goodness. My crew includes women like Amanda Schumacher, who's a really amazing publicist, Rasmus Johnny, who founded Girls Who Coach, has now founded a new organization called Moms First, Cindy Pace, who's global head of diversity, equity, and inclusion at MetLife, Desia Yerka-Mendez, who's at Vice. I mean, they're incredible women that are the reason why I'm here. I could go on and on about my own crew. I love that. And is there was there any kind of magic or science or thought behind the number eight? So just thinking about, you know, when you get matched, right, within your crew, is there some thoughts around uh, four versus 10 is too many? We initially matched 10 people in a crew when we launched. We found that was too many because in a gathering, each person goes around and gives an update on their intentions and they receive open-ended questions from their crew. There's a lot of scaffolding and process to what it is that we do. And it was just taking too long um, to get to coach everybody with 10 people. So what happens, well, actually to coach people with eight people. So what happens on any given month because crews do meet once a month, is that someone has to travel, someone, I don't know, is stuck in traffic, someone is sick, you always lose a couple of people. And at the end of the day, we just determined through trial and error that an ideal group of people is actually six. So if you match eight people, it means that in any average gathering, you're going to have about six people. And that is a great number of people to get through and ensure that everyone has an opportunity to get the coaching they need to hold them accountable. Got it. Okay. I love that. And yeah, life, like you said, life happens. So sometimes you have to miss a session. Um, Okay. So thinking maybe before we kind of dive deeper into the specifics of the crew, I'd love to hear what is your big vision? Like, you know, sometimes, you know, to investors, this could be a three, a five, a seven, a 10 year plan, you know, the exit, right? But so feel free to put a number on this if you want, but what is your, oh my God, like we've made it life mission accomplished. What is that moment or what's that look like for the crew? Well, there's really two things. First is that I will feel like we've made it when basically one of three things happens. Um, One is that any woman who is stuck and has a goal that she wants to realize Googles the crew. That, that, that we have the name recognition and that any woman knows that we're a resource for her, whether she's interested in an actual crew, that's how much mind share we have in the market. The second thing is that anyone who wants to know what millions of women want to realize in their lives says, okay, I have to go to the crew to get that information because Really, the power of the crew is our data. Every member is uploading what she wants to realize over the next 12 months, whether that's getting a promotion or whether that's starting a meditation practice. And I've always believed that the company that knows exactly what millions of women want to achieve and are dreaming 
not because we chose her digital footprint, but because we're actually supporting her and realizing that it's the most powerful company in the world <laughs> as far as, as I'm you know, concerned. And then because I'm a writer, I'm an author, and I have a little sweet spot in my heart for women authors, there's another little part of the career having to do with our content, which is that I believe that we are the perfect platform for anyone who wants to launch a book. So you've probably heard of Oprah's book club. Uh, to me, we will have made it when any new author who wants to get to a lot of women who are going to read and apply their book come to the crew because we are really the, the premier place to launch your book. Like the crew effect rather than the Oprah effect. I I love that. And I also love that thinking about all of the, well, one, it's the power in writing down your goals, but also I'm sure like if you look at those goals and that data, like I'm sure it's just inspiring to see all the different things that women are trying to achieve and then how that gets accelerated when you are matched with the right people who you know will surround you, help you solve the problem. Oh, for sure. I think one of the most inspiring things about the crew is that we are more profitable when we help people realize their human potential, right? Because the more that we accelerate your intentions, the more you're going to renew, the more you're going to tell other people about the crew. And I just think that in a day and age where you have other products that people will spend an hour in a whirlpool all, you know, on and then feel like after an hour, oh my God, I just wasted an hour of my life. That a product that really helps people to feel like I'm a better person, I've grown, I've evolved, I've realized my goals because of this platform is priceless. I love that. And since we went there a little bit, can you talk to us a little bit more about the business model for the crew? Tell our the new majority investor circle members, you know, a little bit more. Like obviously it's like, yes, of course I'm behind this mission. Of course I'm behind what the crew is trying to do. But from a financial aspect, right? I know that you're working with you've got a membership fee, but you're also reaching out to, you know, HR departments, um, maybe folks who are trying to retain the women who are rising through their ranks. So talk to us a little bit more about the business model and then also where maybe data plays into it. Yes. So right now we are largely a membership model. Uh, Our initial acquisition was completely direct to consumer. Uh, We had women who applied to the crew. We matched them in a crew. It was an annual membership. Last March, so a little over a year ago, we pivoted fully to a B2B model. And it was really to accelerate our unit economics. As you can imagine, the acquisition costs to inspire one woman to join the crew became more and more expensive as time went on. Whereas when we go to any one of our customers, whether it's Disney or Lyft or Pfizer or JP Morgan, and we say, why don't you hand us 80 of your women or, you know, hundreds of your women, it's so much simpler. (laughs) It's so much easier. We also find that from from an operational perspective, having the employer engaged in the process of accelerating the member turns out to be really powerful. It means that, for example, she can meet with her crew during the day because the crew is completely endorsed by her employer. She doesn't have to take time in the evening. It means that if she has any intentions, which half of the intentions are career intentions, she can collaborate more meaningfully with her manager or with other stakeholders in the workplace who know that she has these intentions and that she wants to accelerate herself. 
Um, but right now, the direct consumer was four ninety nine uh, membership. Right now, we're at six ninety nine a membership for the B two B model, and fully pivoted to that. And the the business business is strong largely due to retention and also because it's a business that doesn't have a lot of costs attached to it. So we're at about a 30% profit margin in year one. It jumps up to 70% in year two. Got it. And so with this pivot, essentially your costs to acquire customers went down yet also hopefully the lifetime value of that customer went up and became a stickier, more successful. Got it. Okay, not bad. And then from a perspective of, because I've heard this from other kind of maybe coaching uh, services or mentorship services sometimes that, and I think you have a different aspect, especially with the community side, but once somebody achieves their goals, right, then you help them set the second goal, the third goal. So you said, right, if it's 30% for year one, 70% year two, how do you make sure they continue on to year three? Well, there's a few different aspects of that that we've got to deploy and are deploying to make it sticky. So the first thing is that everyone has new goals every um, So you can continue with your crew and you can continue to realize your intentions, but there are other ways to engage with the platform. So let's say that you decided, I completed my goals. I don't want to be in the crew anymore. You're, you, there's a lot of things that you're losing. One is that you're losing all of your data. So remember that you uploaded your goals. You've also uploaded all of your reflections, all of your notes. They're all sitting on the platform. You also don't have access to the content. So one of the things that the crew has done is we look very carefully at the intention data and we recruit thought leaders who then spend time hosting workshops or crew live interviews that we've hosted. And that then lives as evergreen content on the platform after it goes live. When you upload your intentions, we serve up recommendations to you, content recommendations that are aligned with your intentions, depending upon the category. But you can also just go and consume any of the content by going to exclusive content on the platform. So the membership fee really entails not just this relationship with this group of people who you collaborate with over the 12 months, but it also includes the content. It also includes the opportunity to connect with any of the women in our constellation. So even if you work at Pfizer, you're uploading you know, your intentions and you're in your crew at Pfizer, you have access to the thousands of women you know, on the platform and it's a searchable directory. If you want to work on your yoga practice, you can search for yoga and you can get access to the women there. The last thing I'll say is that I love community because there's a part of it that you can curate and then there's a part of it that just happens. There's an organic part of it. And the organic part of our community are what we refer to as cohorts. So we obviously match you in a crew, but we noticed that different groups of members would collaborate based on one of three things. Either they all shared a similar identity, or they all shared a similar industry, or they all shared similar intentions. And they started meeting without us. So we decided to make that a part of the platform. We decided to formalize them. So any member can decide I want to start a cohort that's the public speaking cohort for anyone who wants to be a public speaker, or I'm going to start a cohort for working moms, or I'm going to start a cohort for all of the attorneys, you know, people who are in the legal profession. And we give her 
Um, she becomes the host. She becomes the leader. We give her a bit of identity and we allow, we make it really easy for members to join that cohort. So there are all kinds of benefits to the crew, even without your crew that we've established in order to ensure that you don't want to leave the crew. Plus, you know, I'm a lifetime Girl Scout. It's like once you're in the crew, you're always in the crew. I love that. And I also think that that sounds like you're really listening to your your members, right? You're really listening to what they said, which makes sense since that's where this kind of started with with all of those, you know, office hours or or meetings, right? That you said from 2011 on. So I guess maybe on that, are there any other, I was going to call them pivots, but maybe products like enhancements or surprises that you've learned or incorporated um, as a result of feedback from your members. So maybe you thought you were planning this way and then you're like, oh, everyone's pulling me over here. And like, that's brilliant. There are so many. Uh, let's start <laughs> with that when we launched, our engineer asked whether or not we should be incorporating messaging into the platform. And I okay. said, absolutely not. What are you kidding me? These are really busy mid-career women. They're going to show up to their gathering. They're going to hold one another accountable. They don't have time to chit chat in between their gatherings. I was totally wrong. Every crew that we matched in our first class immediately got on the WhatsApp or started a text stream so they could connect with each other between the gatherings. So we've now since, you know, white label matter most and incorporated messaging into our platform. I mentioned that we started off with matching 10 women in a crew. Now we match eight women in a crew because of the feedback that we've received. One of our biggest pivots happened in the wake of the pandemic. When I initially launched the crew, we matched women in geographic regions. So we only matched women in markets where we had a critical mass of individuals applying to the crew. Obviously, when people could no longer meet in person, I was facing an existential crisis as my company going to collapse because the crews can no longer meet. They all went to different platforms we use Zoom in order for our crews to be able to meet. And it turns out that the crew should have been a virtual model from the very beginning because these are very busy women. And what we did when we moved to a virtual model was we removed all of the friction all of a sudden, I'm in gatherings. First of all, I can now be in gatherings because they're virtual gatherings. And I'm noticing that a woman is nursing a baby. Well, that was a baby she would have had to get a babysitter for previously. Everybody's showing up on time because nobody's stuck in traffic trying to get to the gathering. I remember one gathering where there was a woman who was taking the braids out of her daughter's hair and has a Black mom who has a Black daughter who spends hours putting in braids, taking out braids, I thought, this is really amazing that we provided an opportunity for her to really collaborate with other women to accelerate her goals, but allow her to do it in a way that's probably much more feasible for her life. I could go on and <laughs> on, but those are just some of the tweaks we needed to make to this model. I love that. And I think from the pandemic perspective, especially you turned what was what probably in one moment felt like the biggest barrier that the the crew has faced into possibly the biggest opportunity and making it really easy to expand uh, membership and easier for, like you said, members to to show up on time and, you know, make, be productive in, in many more ways than, than the one. Yes. Um, 
and also our it really catalyzed our growth because remember if you can only match women in markets where you have a critical mass of applicants it means that we had crews in San Francisco, in Seattle, in New York, in DC, in Philly, in Atlanta. But it means that we didn't have any crews in Ohio. We didn't have any crews, you know, in Louisiana. So really what happened was we could then match women by time zone. And then we could truly fulfill our tagline. You know, it says the crew, every woman needs one. Um, but yeah. that we really were able to, to lean into that. I love that. Quick pause in the conversation to highlight the first official sponsor of our podcast and another amazing woman founder building an impact-oriented business. One of the key criteria for evaluating companies for a new majority feature is how impact is built into their business model. We scan the top equity and debt crowdfunding platforms for new majority founded companies with impact built into their business model to drive sustainable, scalable, and impactful growth. But how do these companies easily and accurately measure their impact, ensuring one of their core offerings or value adds doesn't add significant time and cost to the company, especially when it comes to sustainability? Ecolytics is the single platform for sustainability services. Their automated tool saves your company time and money in measuring, improving, and showcasing your impact so you can reach goals like B Corps certification and maximize the ROI of sustainability efforts. For the new majority podcast listeners, Ecolytics is offering an exclusive discount. For your first year subscription, the new majority listeners will get a 15% discount. To get started, request a demo at the Ecolytics website, www.ecolytics.io slash demo. That's www.ecolytics.io slash demo. And now back to our conversation with Tiffany. So what are, what are the biggest barriers that you're seeing now? And then I'm curious, you know, we'll, we'll share them now. And then maybe a year, two years from now, it'll turn out that that was like actually the biggest opportunity in the next pivot. But what is the biggest uh, barrier you're facing today? Probably the biggest barrier that we're facing now is with our pivot fully to B2B, it means that we have two stakeholders now that we need to serve and that we need to solve for. For previously, we were just hell-bent focused on the member herself and everything that we were doing was solutioning for her. Now the customer is the human resource, the diversity, equity, inclusion, the talent development leader in the organization. So while we have to continue to deliver a high quality experience to the member, because at the end of the day, if she doesn't feel that she got value, she's not going to tell the HR leader, hey, I want to do this again. We really have to think about how is the crew, how is our model, how is this solution helping that HR, DEI, talent development leader solve for their pain points. And that means really putting an emphasis on the data, codifying the data in a way that it just wasn't required for us to do before, making sure that we're giving them the reporting that they need so that they can not only invest in their women, but they have the data to show the investment is actually working. So I think that's the biggest challenge right now is that we've got now, we doubled the stakeholders that we need to really focus on. And as you know, in an early stage startup, the more stakeholders you have to solve for, the more it dilutes your energy and your human capital. But I'm excited that one, 
it wasn't a hard pivot, meaning that we already were experimenting with mm-hmm. the B2B. So we already had some sense of what it is they're going to need, what pain points we're solving for so that we could accelerate that process. But I would say right now, it's probably the biggest challenge. It's just, who are we solving for? Well, and I was going to say, I think from a mission perspective, you know, thinking about what are your KPIs, obviously there's, you know, business KPIs, you want retention, you want new customer growth, you want new revenue growth, but how, and then thinking about the KPIs, like you said, the reporting, right? You have to make sure that your customers are seeing the ROI. So do you have separate KPIs or what are the um, key performance, you know, metrics for you from an outcomes as well as like an impact perspective and shift at all with this business model shift? Fundamentally, no, they didn't shift in terms of what we need to deliver in order to deliver value to the end user, because ultimately the, the, the crude truth of the matter is that if the HR leader doesn't quite get what she needs, we could solve for that later. But if the end user, if the employee doesn't get what they need, we don't have, we're going to lose the HR leader to begin with. So there are some important metrics and some outcomes. There are two aspects of the crew experience that if we nail, the end user will feel that she got value. They are related to one, what we refer to as crew fusion. This is whether or not a member of the crew feels that she is connected to at least two or more of the individual women who she's been matched with. That's what we refer to as crew fusion. If she rates us high enough, four out of five on crew fusion, when we survey her, she's likely to renew if this was the direct-to-consumer model or just feel that she's gotten value out of this. The second aspect of the experience that's really key is related to the quality of the crew coaching she receives. If we're a 4.5 out of 5 on, I received effective quality crew coaching from my crew, we've got her. The combination of those two. Irregardless of whether or not she actually realizes her goals. If, if there, those two are in place, she will feel that she got value and how someone feels matters so much in the crew. We are also measuring some other things. One, how quickly she uploads intentions into the portal. Those are the actual goals. If she does, we can get her to do this within 14 days of her first gathering where we introduce her to her crew. We've pretty much got her um, you know, on the platform hooked. After 14 days, we've got to intervene. We're obviously looking at attendance for the gatherings. If she misses two consecutive gatherings, we've got to intervene, figure out what's going on there. We're also looking at her survey data around some other metrics and also the progress that she's making, meaning not whether or not she's checked off, she's done the goal, but when she has said, I want to get a promotion, for example, and my first step is to meet with my manager about what I need to do, and she's got a deadline, it's the rate at which she's checking off those deadlines. She's actually following the steps. So it turns out that as long as we feel like we're making progress, even if we haven't completely checked off that big goal, um, that is also a huge indicator of success. So those are the kinds of metrics that we're looking at internally all the time. And we Mm -hmm. have um, a dashboard called Project Obsession because those are the numbers that we're obsessed with at the crew because those are really our leading 
indicators of whether or not she's going to renew or she's going to tell her company, please renew. I really need this. Got it. And I'm assuming that at a later date, it'll be connecting those metrics with like, what were the retention um, numbers within the customers that you have, right? How many women are making it up into the C-suite or executive levels versus five years ago when they weren't working with the crew? Uh, possibly. So whether her trajectory within her company is not always data that the crew has access to. Mm-hmm. You have access to whether or not she's retained while she's in the crew, obviously, because if she leaves her company, she notifies, she has to notify us and we have to figure out what to do with her. But in terms of 5, 10, 15 years, we need to actually get a lot better at tracking those women and getting the companies to then give that data to us so that we can determine the long-term effectiveness. Well, I'm excited for the long-term effectiveness. So I'm here for those numbers when we get to that point. Um, I'm going to switch us a little bit into away from the business, even though I'm I'm like, I I still have more to ask you, but from a fundraising perspective, right? So the crew has raised um, over the past couple of years significantly as far as you have raised over a million, right? From venture capitalists and angel investors putting you into like a, a... a small but hopefully growing uh, number of Black women entrepreneurs who have raised over a million. And given that success, right, why did you choose to bring equity crowdfunding in for this raise? Was that, just tell us a little bit more about that thought process. That's a great question. So we've actually raised nearly 5 million for the, we raised a million our first round and, and we had two Uh, subsequent rounds of funding. The biggest reason why I I wanted to do this equity crowdfunding campaign is because for every round, remember we're a community, for every round that we've raised, we've had members of our community ask, can I invest in the crew? And at the end of the day, the answer is no, because in order for you to invest, you need to be an accredited investor, The vast majority of our members are women in the middle who are not accredited investors. And so there there hasn't really been a way for the people who are most impacted by the work and who are most, in my opinion, invested in the work outside of our employees to really be a part of this and have a stake in it. And that really bothered me, um, especially because our constellation is very diverse. Over half of the women in our community are women of color. And I felt like there had to be some way to give them access. At the same time that this was going on in my head, I also was looking at the financial markets, the state of the world, and shifting from being an early stage startup that was very focused on growth, maybe at all costs, to a company that was very focused on profitability. And fortunately, we were a revenue generating company from the very beginning. So certainly for you know the past year, it's our theme really has been around getting off the venture capital, you know, wheel and yeah. hamster wheel and really becoming more independent and standing on our own two feet via revenue. So the honest truth is that I also wasn't sure if there were gonna be any more successive rounds. So I thought, you know what, let me let's do this equity crowdfunding experiment. I had never done it before. 
So it also gave me as a founder just another experience in my tool belt because I do panels. I have other founder sisters that ask me, what about equity crowdfunding? And I was always like, I don't really know anything about that. I haven't really done that. Well, now I've got it under my belt. But more importantly, we were able to, during Women's History Month, provide an opportunity for our members for the very first time to have a stake in the crew. So I'm very happy to provide an opportunity um, you know, for other people too as well. But at the end of the day, the honest truth is that it was really about our members. I love that. And so do you have a sense of how many members have contributed to, to the, was it near 100,000 that you've raised thus far? The, oh, over 200 of them. That's incredible. I love that. And obviously from the new majority side, we're all about, you know, starting to learn this could be their first investment, right? This made your members into angel investors, right? And so I think that is very, very cool. With that, you know, if you missed out on this opportunity to invest, right? I would love to hear, uh, Tiffany, a little bit more about the milestones and growth goals that you are aiming to achieve beyond obviously including the members in the crew journey, but what are the milestones and growth goals with this new round of funding? Yeah. So really with this round of funding, we're primarily investing in our engineering team, our engineering stack, and really focused on providing more bandwidth so that we can deploy faster. One of the um, dynamics of our B2B growth and our focus there is that we now have companies, and this wasn't the case before, that want to use the crew as a model to accelerate women in other parts of the world. It used to be that all of the companies, their employees were in the U.S. So what that means is that we've got to very quickly ensure that the crew is meeting GDPR uh, guidelines, compliance for all of the women that are in the other countries. That could take up, quite frankly, if you're an early stage startup, like an entire quarter um, of deployment. I don't want to do that because we have some optimizations to the platform that we want to make. So really, it's around technology. It's a, it's our engineers, what this is going to be focused on. I love that. It's Well, and maybe another way of also saying that is building the foundations and strengthening the foundations for that next phase of growth that's coming. That's awesome. Okay. Two more questions here. So I was going to ask what are kind of, you know, some of the tips or tactics like you as a founder have used to kind of keep pushing through beyond having your crew, but given maybe a better question, given your recent best-selling book of drop the ball, achieving more by doing less, what is a ball that you have dropped recently? Oh, I'm dropping balls all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I think probably I stopped cooking dinner. Um, I have a ball that I've been able to drop in large part because it was a time sensitive ball, which is I have a son who's a junior in high school and he was prepping for ACTs. He's like getting ready for college. He just visited Georgetown, by the way. Um, yes, um, we were we were recently in D.C. So I, I'm pretty much done with I was assigned in my family to schedule the college tours and also to coordinate all of the ACT prep. He's taking the ACT this weekend. So that's a ball that's like come off my plate, which is just so, so, so wonderful. But, you know, every day I'm really trying to be relentless about 
what I need to be focused on, what represents my highest and best use, and what can I let go of in order for me to be a more just responsible, let alone successful founder. I feel like that is going to resonate with, well, one, myself, because my to-do list is always longer than, to your point in one of your talks, it's always longer than 24 hours. Um, So absolutely resonate. And as we kind of close out for for the investors here on the, the podcast, so oftentimes, you know, we think about investing purely from a financial perspective, right? Um, $100, $1,000, $1 it's all money. But I think that great investors can offer so much more than just money. It's introductions, um, it's key skills, maybe even, you know, customers or members, right, of the crew. So with that in mind, what what is your ask to the new majority investor circle membership here for people who are either looking to invest in you now in the future um, or who have invested? Well, the most important investment that you can make, especially given that the actual campaign will have expired by the time this airs, is to share the crew with any human resource, diversity, equity, inclusion, or talent development leader that you know. Um, Those are the individuals who we're really trying to solve for and helping them to retain and accelerate their women workforce and helping us to build that pipeline is probably the most strategic and important investment you can make. I love that. All right. So everybody, if you're listening now, think about who you know, who is in HR, DEI, friend, colleague, someone on LinkedIn, send them the crew. Um, so thank you again so much, Tiffany, for, for joining us, especially in this busy time. Uh, we really loved highlighting you and the crew. We are excited to continue to follow your growth and impact. And thank you again, Tiffany. Thank you so much. If you loved what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast and share with another Angel Curious friend. A big thank you to our Investor Circle members who support our podcast. And if you're not already a member, check out the show notes or go to thenewmajorityinvest.com to join today.